dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Among the saints of the New Testament, St. Paul stands apart. He was successful in ways that we can't even measure. He was the apostle to the Gentiles, the founder of churches, and the model for evangelizers. But St. Paul also knew hard times, riots, afflictions, anxieties, imprisonments. What can we learn from the things that the Bible shows us where St. Paul not only knew victory, but defeat? Thanks, everyone, for being here with us. I am so honored to preach on St. Paul. This man is a model for us all, someone whom we all love. He is someone whose spirit has filled the world for Christ. I mean, when you look at the the great saints in history, you're hard-pressed to find those any saints who are as great as St. Paul. And his life is written for us in the Bible. For, you know, from almost the beginning to the end, You've got the story of St. Paul's life written in the Acts of the Apostles in such a way that it parallels the life of Christ himself. I mean, St. Paul, when you look at how his life is put out, he becomes an example of how the church as the mystical body of Christ extends the action of the Redeemer himself from his conversion through his persecutions and his preaching and finally unto his death and obedience to Christ's voice. And through all of it, his whole life, you find an eminent example of Catholic leadership. If you want to speak about a leader in the New Testament, a leader in the Bible, period, you've got to refer to St. Paul. This guy was incredible. He went by himself, I mean, obviously with some companions at the same time, but sometimes just by himself out there in order to bring the gospel where it had never gone before. He even writes that he made it his practice to try to bring the gospel to peoples and to lands who had never heard it before. He didn't want to build on what other people did. He wanted to go out there and to the highways and the byways to the ends of the earth preaching the gospel. Well, I mean, it's an incredible amount of leadership. The innovation that he had to use the, the words, the languages, the images, the cultures that he had to encounter as he's journeying far from home, looking to be self-sufficient with no one looking out after him. And then he encounters challenge after challenge. I, there's so much to say about St. Paul and there's so much that everyone needs to learn about St. Paul. If you haven't read the Acts of the Apostles closely, this is your time, everybody. Pick up your Bibles and open them to the Acts of the Apostles and begin to read. Because ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ, right? And you will be ignorant of so much that will strengthen you about your own journey with the Lord in faith by reading the Acts of the Apostles that I just can't help but tell you that you're missing out on something wonderful if you haven't read your Bible and read the life of St. Paul. And read it like you're reading his life, because you are. 
and put the details together. It's an amazing story. But let's begin here. I want to talk to you today about what St. Paul teaches us by his failures. So I'm always careful when I use that word, right? Because to say the saints failed is, <laughs> is, you know, way above my pay grade, okay? It's not so much that the saints failed as that they had in the eyes of the world things that we would consider failures, okay? Because obviously they ran the race, they fought the fight, they kept the faith, they are our great heroes. You can't walk around saying, where did all of our heroes fail, right? Because failure is never final, Right? But at the same time, if the things happen to us that happen to them, I think a lot of us would find ourselves severely challenged to keep going and to trust in God. And St. Paul had some colossal things happen to him. And sometimes it appears that they even happened to him by his own personality. I want to look at those things because the Holy Spirit wrote them down for us for our salvation. And this is part of our encouragement in our course on leadership, just like any course on leadership, would be inadequate if we didn't build our leadership on something stronger than ideal models of success. The Christian model of success is not an ideal. It's a very realistic thing that encompasses things that other people would consider failures. I think the worst thing you can do as a, as a leader in this world, and especially here I'm speaking to the entrepreneurs and the small business owners that are out there, all of you that are listening, the worst thing you can do is compare yourselves to these folks that have inherited positions at huge established corporations or wonderfully established brands and whose job in, in the corporate world is to rise and move in that environment. They're almost two separate type of things. The nonprofit world functions in a different way than the for-profit world in terms of its culture and the startup from a different, from, from an established business in terms of its culture. And one of the biggest areas when you write leadership books, you're usually writing them from the point of view of things that are established that you inherit and need to make better. But the scrappy startup among you, that guy out there right now who's sitting there, you know, trying to make something out of nothing. The worst thing you can do is compare yourself and your leadership to these well-established things because you're always going to come up short. The fact is, you fail your way to success. That's the way it works. And once you're successful, then you sit down and write a book about it <laughs> and tell everybody all the ways that you got successful. And in the meantime, it was mistake after mistake, humiliation after humiliation, just like St. Paul. I think that when God writes his Bible for us, he writes it knowing for whom he's writing it. And he knows that his church needs to hear that great leadership encompasses things that look like failure on the outside. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to be perseverant. We cannot give up because our failures and our sufferings are part of the redemption. And the Christian leader is one who not only has to get up and keep going, but gets up and keep go keeps going knowing that everything that they do glorifies God when they do it in true charity. Right? That our goal, in other words, is to remain in Christ and to offer our, our difficulties and our challenges and sometimes even the, 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 the defeats that we experience we offer that up as a victory in Christ Jesus. 
This is exactly what St. Paul tells us and what his life shows us. So I want to take a look at some of the key spots where St. Paul encompasses what we would consider a failure if it was us. And I want to see what we can learn from those lessons. This is Father Nathan. I know that many of you listening are looking for a better place to be. You're not happy necessarily with what's going on in the world. You're not happy with where your life is going and you wonder if there's any way to go forward. That's why we started the St. John Leadership Institute in Denver, Colorado. The idea is simple. Move to Denver, live with a community of your peers, earn a master's degree in any subject from any university, and become a saint while doing it. Check us out at stjohnleadershipinstitute.org. All right, everybody. So we're about to attack the life of St. Paul and studying exactly where we see not only his incredible successes, but also the places where he is challenged as an apostle and as a leader. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so always keeping in mind that, that you know, St. Paul doesn't fail in his leadership but that rather he experiences these kind of things that we would consider failures uh, and God works through them. Let's take a look at one of the very first ones where we see a huge thing that just happens in his life. Paul and Barnabas split. Now you got to go back to the beginnings of the story and understand that Barnabas had always been a part of Paul's life here. He was the one that received Paul when he came to Jerusalem looking for reception by the Christian community. It was Barnabas who brought him to the apostles. It was Barnabas who went with to find St. Paul after St. Paul had been exiled from Jerusalem and was living back in Tarsus. He went and found him and brought him to the Christian community in Antioch, which became kind of like Paul's home base. He was the one who went with St. Paul all the way across the island of Cyprus, preaching the gospel into Iconium, facing the crowds down in Derby and in Lystra. He was there when St. Paul was stoned to death, and he was the one who helped pick him up and take him back to the ship. He was a friend and a companion in a very deep way with St. Paul. And yet, even though these two men were saints, and these two men were full of charity and self for the salvation of souls, they had to separate. We read about it in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. And he says, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John, called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. A sharp disagreement, okay? That's the term that they use. The Holy Spirit, you know, inspires 
the writer to use here in verse 39. That sharp disagreement in Greek is actually a paroxysm. All right, paroxysmus. <laughs> a paroxysm, which means a violent outburst of emotion or action. Okay, a, a sudden violent emotion or action. And it's one such as these, a paroxysm, that shows up suddenly between St. Paul and St. Barnabas. How in the world could two men who have gone through so many things after so many years together allow their relationship to split because of this sharp disagreement that comes? You could almost look at that and criticize St. Paul if you wanted to. Say, St. Paul, I mean, you're supposed to be all about the unity of the church, and yet your brother apostle and you don't even walk side by side. It's amazing. And it comes about because John, who is called Mark, had gone with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, and he got about halfway through, and he turned around and left. And so Barnabas wants to take him again, and Paul says, no. What does this teach us? Number one, it teaches us to not let this happen. <laughs> to not be those people who let this happen. This is not exactly a high point in the life of St. Paul, okay? I don't think saying that you couldn't get along with St. Barnabas and the two couldn't walk together anymore uh, on their pathways, the highways, byways of the Lord is a high moment of Paul's apostleship. But it does show us that sometimes you got to keep going. What if St. Paul would have been more like us and would have said, I can't believe I did this. There's no way I can continue to preach the gospel in the name of God. Or what if St. Paul were to say, St. Barnabas, my elder mentor, is, you know, is now gone. And though I, I therefore don't have his guidance, I don't have his friendship, I am nothing. St. Paul has to accept that, yeah, there was a paroxysm that came up, a sharp disagreement, a violent outburst between the two of them, and that they separated ways. And yet he had to turn his eyes to Christ and continue the way forward, even knowing that he had hurt the feelings of his friend. And not only of St. Barnabas, but also of St. John Mark there, who, was to, who, who went away. He also had to, to realize that he lost them, and then everybody who was on the side of them. And St. Paul had, could have had massive guilt if he was like us, or maybe he did have massive guilt, but he didn't let it show. And, and it was as much as his heart could be repentant. Sometimes in our lives, we hurt people without wanting to. Sometimes in our lives, we make mistakes. Some of us have said things or done things that other people have really been hurt by. They've depended on us for better actions, better decisions, and we didn't make them. What are we to do with that? For many of us, we want to just roll over and die, kind of give up. And a lot of the people in the world want us to give up. They want us to say, you know what? That means that you're not a good leader. Maybe Paul here wasn't a great leader, but Paul led anyway. Anything worth doing is worth doing, doing poorly. And I don't think it's possible for any of us to engage ourselves on these great escapades called life, trying to push ahead without every once in a while some of that weakness coming out and coming forth. What are we to do with it? Well, it says here what St. Paul did with it. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. You put your hand back to the plow sometimes and you keep moving forward. But I got to imagine that he never forgot that. The Bible doesn't record for us an apology from St. Paul to St. Barnabas or from St. Barnabas to St. Paul, but I gotta believe it happened with all that St. Paul went through that at one point or another, 
the two of them mended their relationship again in due time. But that's not the only one. I see another incredible you know, story here in Acts 16. Take a look at Acts 16, 6 with me, would you? Just take a quick look. It says, And he went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now that's something. That doesn't happen every day that the Holy Spirit forbids you from speaking the word of God. <laughs> you can almost ever feel like your boss doesn't like you, right? <laughs> Imagine if that was the Holy Spirit and your boss was the Holy Spirit of God and he says, you're not going to preach there. Of all the zeal that Paul had inside of him, it must have been like a freight train pushing him along and yet he was stopped. It appears the word used is almost like from the outside forbidding him. Almost like St. Paul would go there if he could but he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit. He gets knocked around. Then he says, when they come up to Mysia, they were tempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So you have two in a row where the Holy Spirit seems to be stopping St. Paul. Right? Now, it's, it even gets worse. Look at this. So, so passing on from, by Mysia, they sat down by Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia standing there, urging him and saying, come to Macedonia to help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, he sought to go on from Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. What an amazing scene here. When you look on the map of where that is, Paul has just walked 500 miles across Turkey, <laughs> modern day Turkey. You, when you're in those different cities, you're kind of like going, well, I don't really know. He must have gone from one town to the next. He walked 500 miles. If you were to put that on the map and he was covering, say, 20 miles a day, it would take him 25 days minimum. He was walking for 30 days without making any converts and without being able to preach the word of God anywhere. This looks like a traveling salesman going from town to town, getting the door slammed in his face is what it looks like. And the person slamming the door in his face looks like the Holy Spirit. He tries to go into Asia. No. He tries to go to Bithynia. No. The Spirit of Jesus. So he goes to Mysia and then down to Troas. And then what happens? They say, you're in the wrong spot here too. And he lets, the, he lets himself get knocked around by three consecutive no's walking 500 miles across Turkey. Right? And he doesn't let his spirits fail. This is the long, dry road that so many of you walk. You've got your great ideas. You've got it all risked. You don't know what's going to happen. You put your house on the line to make your great idea go through. The stresses on you are enormous. You've got a staff that's waiting for you to prove it to them. Investors that are waiting for you to prove it to them. And you're out there by yourself wondering what you're doing. You have the spirit of St. Paul in you. God fashions St. Paul through this desert experience to do the incredible works he's about to do all throughout Greece and the Mediterranean basin. But Saul has to take some incredible hits in order to make that fruitful. And there's no one there to root him on. There's no one there to say that they understand. There's no one there who does understand. When you're trying to make something work, very few people are going to be able to understand what you're going through. It's just a fact because very few people have ever tried to do what you're trying to do, to make something out of nothing. And here's St. Paul. If he would have quit at this moment, 
we wouldn't have the Catholic Church founded in the way that it was. Instead, St. Paul has got, to, he's got the whole fire of the Holy Spirit who's pushing him into a desert and into two consecutive situations where the Holy Spirit himself refuses him success. Now, so many of us think, if I follow God, if I believe in Jesus Christ, I'm going to have all kinds of incredible success. And you will, guaranteed. Divine success, yes. But sometimes divine success, even like St. Paul, it looks like sore feet, hungry bellies, and no one following you, even after you give your very, very best. It's not because we try hard that we necessarily are going to win the day. That's what I'm trying to say. And St. Paul shows us this. What does he do? He keeps on walking. From one rejection or one closed door to the next closed door to the third closed door, St. Paul keeps on going until at last he's successful. This is Father Nathan. I know a lot of people are formed in leadership in ways that are very practical and efficient. This is good, of course, but is there something more? Coming to the St. John Leadership Institute in Denver, Colorado, young adults are able to learn not only how to lead effectively, but how to lead in the spirit. Anchoring a master's degree and specific business skills in prayer and spirituality. Find out more at stjohnleadershipinstitute.org. All right, so we looked here at Acts 15, Acts 16, where St. Paul not only splits with Barnabas, but then in Acts 16, where he has to travel 500 miles by foot, getting you know rejected or closed the door closed upon him. And then he gets to Philippi, and of course, more stuff happens. He gets beaten by rods, thrown into a prison to die. He's going to be judged. I mean, you could keep on going. I want to focus here in specific, though, in Acts chapter 17, where it speaks about St. Paul being in Athens and addressing the gathering at the Areopagus. Okay, so here we're at Acts 17, verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, says, and he gives this big, beautiful speech, Men of Athens, I perceive that you are very religious. And he goes on to quote philosophers and the thinkers of his day. And, you know, and it's great. And he, and he ends up by speaking about the resurrection of the dead. And he says that this same God has raised Jesus from the dead. That's his verse 31. And it says, Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. That's absolutely amazing. So St. Paul himself is standing at the height of the Greek world. This is the Arapagus, where free ideas were exchanged, where people who could think and speak well would take the stage and present to those who were looking for truth. Paul gives an amazing speech here. It is the model of evangelization. It's just, he nails it. He goes into their culture. He speaks to them about where they're looking for God. He proclaims Jesus to them, and he gets laughed at. Some mocked him. What, what an amazing moment. I mean, St. Paul, the greatest preacher of all time, got mocked? Yeah, he got mocked, and he wasn't the only one. Jesus Christ got mocked too. <laughs> just think about this. When our Lord himself was proclaiming the gospel, people didn't believe him. I mean, when you look at your life, do not make the mistake of comparing yourself to ideals of perfection that keep success from you. St. Paul's life is full of rejection. His life is full of examples of people who didn't accept him, 
didn't receive his word, and then the Holy Spirit was there to write him down. I'm thinking of another example. Here at towards the end of his life, he has this incredible moment. This is Acts chapter 22. When St. Paul had just been uh, accosted by a crowd, beaten to the point where the, the Roman guard has to come into the temple and preserve Paul from being uh, ripped to pieces by the people. And the, the guard takes St. Paul and carries him up the steps of the temple to put him into the barracks. And in Acts 21, verse 7, it says, As Paul was being brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? And then finally, Paul says, uh, Can I give, I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hands to the people, and there was a great hush and he addressed the people in the Hebrew language, saying... Okay, so this is an amazing moment. It says earlier that all of Jerusalem had run down and, and in order to beat on St. Paul. So he had thousands of people around him. He was standing on the steps leading up to the temple. He has Jerusalem in front of him, and they all listen to him, and he addresses them in Hebrew. And what goes on is this incredible speech where he presents the case for believing in Christ and what he's trying to accomplish. And he says in verse, tw in verse 21, And God said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up, up to this word they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and fleeing dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were all shouting against him like this. <laughs> the reason they were shouting against St. Paul is because he was speaking the truth, that he was sent by God to the Gentiles, and they didn't want it. At the end of his life, Paul finds himself rejected by his own people, whom he had addressed in Hebrew, and he had a huge perfect setting, and it didn't work. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like, man, I've got the most perfect setup and I blew it? I can't say that St. Paul thought that he blew it, but at the same time, he was ready to stare down failure in the eyes of the world in order to stay faithful in the eyes of Christ. The only true failure is when we lose the soul that motivates and drives all of our actions. St. Paul kept his soul he kept the flame alive. He didn't allow his various bumps along the way, even if they were major, to define him. He accepted them like Christ accepted his cross. He picked it up and he carried it bravely and boldly. He didn't have to be perfect to lead. It was in his imperfection that we found his greatest leadership lesson. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.